When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Ron Garney, and you're listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to another episode of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. This is episode 38 and I am your host, Rick Verbonis. And as always, I am joined by the best gosh darn co-host out there, Mr. Bob Lucius. Bob? I'm on pins and needles, Rick. <laughs> I don't know what's coming next. I'm, I'm... Bonjour! <laughs> I'm a little, I was a little scared, but also a little intrigued. So it could have gone either way for me, but that, that made it all worthwhile. Made the wait worthwhile. Yes. Yeah. Hey, go good. Hello. Hello. And uh, I have to say, Rick, Rick tonight, this, uh, this podcast is, uh, I don't know. I'm always still virginal. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, really? <laughs> and because, why so Bob? Well, because Please explain I, to our listeners. I gotta, I gotta tell you this, this sort of era that we're going to be exploring tonight is, is one that I, this was a time in my life when uh, I wasn't really reading comics. I was, uh, I was kind of busy doing other things at this point in my life. And that took me away from comics. And so there, uh, there's, there's a gap. And, uh, and the story that we're going to read tonight falls in that gap. So this was the first time that I read this. Oh, okay. Uh, Well, then I'll be interested to hear your, uh, your thoughts on it. And it's the second time I've read it. I haven't read it since, uh, <laughs> since it first came out. So uh, we'll see if uh, my, 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 you know, you know how it is like uh, you have great memories of things. You're like, Oh, I love that movie. And then you watch it so many years later and you're like, Oh my God, that was horrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've done, I've recommended movies to, to friends. I bought them like DVDs and said, Oh my God, this movie was awesome. You I know, know. Right. Or uh, whip it out, whip out of DVD and said to my son, you know, like, Oh, you got to watch this. Let's sit down and watch this together. And then like, I'm embarrassed, like, you know, 15 minutes. <laughs> this is not so, as I recall. This happened to me a, f- a few weeks ago, a month ago. Uh, so I'm, watch we don't watch a lot of movies but you know it was one of those nights and, and you know my fiance and i was like oh she's like yeah you pick now i'm gonna get a lot of hate mail on this okay i'm i'm a mel brooks fan i really like mel brooks and so you know she only kind of knew space balls yeah. right uh-huh. um you know i mean it was like young frankenstein there's Classic. blazing saddles yeah. there's history of the world oh. Right? Yeah, yeah. To be mean, the king. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pawn jumps the king. Pawn <laughs> Paul jumps the queen. Right? <laughs> Sire, you look like the Viz boy. <laughs> Sorry, um, but uh, so I was like, oh, we got to watch Young Frankenstein. That's just that's like the first, right? We got to watch that. It's yeah. it's hilarious. I have a very dry sense of humor. In case yeah. anybody who's listened to this podcast hasn't figured it out by now, and uh, anyway, we watched it. And it 
wasn't quite what I remembered from really? 40 years ago. Oh my gosh. And yeah. <laughs> and um I mean, listen, it is a classic. Yeah. It is it is uh but I I yeah, it just it wasn't you know, I mean like the whole thing with uh with with uh, the the women, you know, singing, you yeah, know, yeah. and the reason behind it, yeah. you know, and and I was like, yeah, it was a lot funnier when I was like fourteen. <laughs> and, and this puts me in a predicament, Rick, because and, I've been telling my son for years how funny this movie is, and waiting for the opportunity to uh, to sit down and watch it with him. Well, you know what? I'm sure at his age. Because that's yeah. what Megan said to me. She's like, I, I'm, I'm sure for a 14-year-old boy, this was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> that might be. I, I, I often like recount that scene where uh, the monster is climbing up, you know, the, mm-hmm. the side of the castle, you know, and, and I think it's, uh, I think it's uh, whatever her name is, the Fraulein. There, he reaches mm-hmm. over to help him, and and he pulls Frankenstein pulls him back and pulls her back and says, "No, he wants to do it himself." <laughs> And he really wants help because he's following, you know, but he's like, no, he wants to do it himself. I love that scene. Uh, uh, so it, I, yeah. it, there's a lot of dry humor in there. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah. And I love dry humor anyway. And, you know, uh, in, the, in, the, in just the right light, I tell my son, he looks, he has a certain resemblance to Marty Feldman. So. Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah. He appreciates that. Yeah. So. And, oh, Igor. Igor. <laughs> Good stuff, man. All uh, right. Oh, Bob, before I forget, uh, before we get into this um, this uh, issue 459, uh, we need to let everybody know, stick around. At the end of this episode, we have a huge announcement of who our next guest is going to be. And I think if you're listening to this and you're enjoying this, you're going to want to really uh, uh, listen to our next episode. So we'll reveal who our guest is going to be at the end of this particular podcast. All right. So, you know what? It, it, and I apologize. If, if, you, if you're if you like listening back to back episodes, right? And you just got done listening to uh, 37 when we, uh, we covered, uh, you know, the introduction of Arnim Zola. And we said at the end of this uh, that episode coming up next, we're going to do Captain America Annual Eight, which is the uh, you know Cap versus Wolverine one shot. Psych. Apologies. Yeah, little change of plans. We're uh, we're 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 switching gear here. We are actually going to do um, Captain America four forty nine through four fifty one. We're going we're going to tackle those three issues. Um, it is the we we left off with. Uh, with the Wade and uh, Mark Wade and Ron Garney um, uh, when they, when they took over, right. With issue uh, 445, I think, right. Five, six, seven. Yeah. Uh, 445. Um, there was a four part story that we read, uh, which was really cool. All right. I mean, it was, you know, bringing back you um, it just, just to kind of remind you. And by the way, I know I'm a little all over the place here, but um, if you haven't listened to it, uh, check out, episode 15 so in episode 15 that's when we covered operation we rebirth in in that four-part story arc we have sharon carter who was believed dead for decades um and she she comes back uh she helps steve rogers uh, uh who was dying because of uh 
of the super soldier serum. Um, and he, she, she helps him uh, uh, live again uh, by doing a blood transplant with um, his clone, the Red Skull. And then there's this whole Cosmic Cube story. It was a really good story. It was a lot of fun. So we're going to pick up where that left off. Now, if you remember, um, Sharon wasn't too pleased with Steve, uh, and but they had an uneasy alliance, um, and she's she's really ticked off. She's a really upset ex Shield agent. So that's that's where that story left off, and that's where we're going to pick up. So we're going to read uh, in this podcast. We're going to do uh, issues four forty nine, four fifty, and four fifty one. Before we get to those, uh, Bob, um, uh, you know what? Just a few other things going on. Um, you know, today, uh, which is uh, New Comic Wednesday. You know what came out today, Bob? I have been, uh, I've been so looking forward to today. Why is that? Well, as we know, uh, volume volume nine, right? The uh, the most current. Captain America volume that started in 2018 has come to a close uh, with issue 30. And we don't know when the next volume is going to start, but we've got a little something in the middle to sort of bridge us. And this is the, uh, the United States of Captain America. Yes, that comes out today. So um, looking forward to that as well. That should be a fun, uh, fun, I think it's a five part story, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so that comes out today, and we'll cover that. We're going to cover that in an upcoming podcast um, in uh, in July. All right, um, trying to think uh, in the uh, Facebook group. So if you haven't visited our Facebook group, you're really missing out. Um, it's the Captain America Comic Book Fans Facebook group, uh, so it's real easy to find, and uh, we have like I don't know, like thirty eight, over thirty eight hundred members, and we it's growing daily. Um, and so there's all kinds of fun things on there. Uh, I do daily flashbacks of, of the, the month uh, right now we're, we just finished, um, the month of June, uh, with all the different covers that came out, uh, with cover dates of June, uh, we'll be kicking off, uh, July, uh, on July 2nd and starting with, um, 1968, uh, and, and working our way all the way to, uh, current. Um, so we got that going on, uh, but there's so many, uh, posts from all of our, our members, lots of, um, you know, I don't know, talking about uh, various issues, sharing um, collections, uh, you know, talking about, um, you know, collectibles, uh, all kinds of uh, great um, conversation going back and forth. And uh, we have a lot of um, professionals, uh, comic book professionals that are in the group, many who worked on Captain America, but not, not all of them have. And actually, um, not too long ago, we had uh, um, a, a great artist by the name of Scott McDaniel. Do you do you remember uh, Scott? Bob? You know, I I haven't. You know, as you know, Rick, I'm I'm a purist, so I uh, I I read Cap stuff, and that's what I read. So uh, I I don't have a lot of experience. I'm very inexperienced, Rick. Okay, well, Scott, uh, you know, he he actually was uh, the an artist on a couple of series that I collected for a long time. I'm, I'm as you know, a big Daredevil fan. Um, and so he, he did, uh, work on there that was really cool back in the, uh, in the nineties. Um, and then he was on Nightwing for a very long time. Uh, I think he was on Green Arrow. Um, he's, he's done a lot of different, uh, series over the year, but apparently he's a big cat fan because, um, you know, he's part of the group as well. So it's always fun, um, 
uh, seeing who, who pops up uh, in our group. So check that out. Yeah. And I, I know there's, there's definitely people uh, that listen to the podcast that aren't members of the group yet. Um, you know, uh, I've been talking to Dr. Richard Stevens, the author of Captain America, Masculinity and Violence, that mm -hmm. uh, academic analysis of the evolution of Cap. And, uh, and he said recently that he listens to this podcast. Um, oh, that's so, cool. Yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of cool because I know he's, he's not in the group. He may not even be on Facebook, but he listens to the podcast. So I know there's folks out there that do. So if you do and you're on Facebook, come on by. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we would love to have you. All right. Enough of the preamble, Bob. Dear Lord, can we just get to the comic now? Jump in already, will you? All right. All right. So here we are with uh, issue 449. I got to tell you, when I saw this cover, uh, it was, it's a little confusing to me um, because it, it, uh, it's, it's from an angle that I, I really wasn't getting like the, the first couple of times I looked at it. So it's Captain America uh, and it, it, he's outside of a building and somebody or many people from the inside the building are shooting at him and it's, it's bursting through uh, as he's diving out of a broken window, um, diving down and uh, it, trying to avoid um, getting shot. Uh, and there's a little fire escape there. So um, I never, the first time I looked at it, I don't know about you, Bob, but I didn't, I didn't understand the angle that he was diving down from a, uh, from the top of a building. Yeah, it is, it is, it's jarring, right? I mean, the perspective is, uh, is, is unusual. Yeah. Um, but hey, unusual is good, man. Shake yeah. And, and the cover artist uh, is uh, Carlos Pacheco. So uh, who ended up being a Captain America artist, uh, you know, years later. So, um, so he did that and uh, Scott Koblish, uh, Koblish, Koblish uh, yeah. uh, was the anchor. Um, all right. So this story is called um, I'll Take Manhattan. And it's part of a crossover with uh, the Avengers story. So um, we'll read this first part, but then the other parts go into Thor, Iron Man and Avengers, which we won't read, uh, but I'll give you synopsis so you kind of understand where the story ends up going. Uh, but this particular uh, I'll Take Manhattan is written by Mark Wade, penciled by Mark Ron Garney, like we said. Uh, and then there's a few different anchors on it. We've got Scott Koblish, Dennis Rodier, and Sandu Floria. Uh, colorist is John Callis, and then separated by Malibu. Um, lettering by Michael Higgins, and Ralph Macchio is the editor. You know, I got to say, Rick, uh, not to not to diverge, but uh, when I when I when I see that uh, the color separation was done by uh, by computer, but then I think of when uh, when these were done. Um, I think, man, oh man, the technology even back in the mid '90s uh, was completely different than what we have today. Yeah, that's a good point, Bob. This this uh, has a cover date of March 1996. I failed to mention that. So yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. So we're going to get to the, uh, the opening splash page. <clears throat> and there's a guy in a business suit who's looking terrified and he's hanging upside down. And uh, he, someone yells, talk. I don't know. I swear, I don't know. And then it's Sharon Carter. And uh, apparently she's got the upper body strength to hold a man uh, by one leg hanging out of a window. And she says, somebody knows. Maybe you should try to point me in the right direction, fast. 
These winds are giving me a cold. Believe me. And then you turn to the next page and it's, and she says, you don't want me to sneeze. And Bob, this next page is, is stellar, uh, is a, uh, double page, um, splash. And it's the helicarrier up in the sky, uh, with a jet taking off. Um, it's over the clouds and, and, and there's a moon behind it. Um, it's a stunning image. And uh, so we find out that Sharon's holding this businessman uh, outside of a broken window on the helicarrier. That's a shield agent, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah. He, he's dressed in a business suit. But yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I, I hear you. You know, we got dress codes. You know, <laughs> not everybody gets a black jumpsuit. So this one, uh, the story is called First Sign, um, and it's an Avengers event. I'll take Manhattan is his part. So then we have a little blurb uh, and you see Cap with a look of, mm, I would say a look of uh, worry on his face. And he yells, Sharon, for God's sake, put him down. And he comes running uh, to her and she's like, love to. And he jumps, hurdles the, the business desk and uh, there's a little library behind it. And he says, I mean... And he grabs her and he, and he grabs him. Get him in here now. And he throws the shield and it hits the, uh, the seal um, and ricochets back and it closes the, uh, the, uh, the metal shield um, around the window so that there's no more vacuum. And she says, and she crosses her arms. And she looks mad. I had him. I'm sure. We got into S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters through my Avengers ID, Sharon, not your charm. I want answers, too. I was thinking we could find them together without terrorizing random bureaucrats. Sorry, sir. You want to stick to the program? Why? S.H.I.E.L.D. didn't. I was one of the agency's best operatives. Without warning, they cut me loose behind enemy lines. They told you I was dead, and I want to know how come. They owe me that much. Agreed. And for the record, I'm every bit as angry as you are. But when you want answers around this place, you go straight to Nick Fury. He'll know. And so they, they leave um, the bureaucrat in his office. And then when they walk out into the hallway, who's standing there? Who is it, Bob? Oh, it's, it's the Contessa. Can you say her a full name for me, Bob? I know uh, you want to. No, it's, sac- it's sacred. <laughs> You get a little. <laughs> it's the name that should not be spoken, okay. except by a very select few. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she says, "I'm afraid not, Rogers." I don't know what kind of what kind of accent does she have. She's like Italian, right? She's, uh, she's of Italian extraction. Yeah. Yeah. So. And um, because she's from Italy, I mean, she's not like Italian, like right. uh, like yeah. she grew up here. I mean, like she's from yeah, Italy, she's, she, so she should have an accent, right? She should. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to do be it. insulting do, you. Do, do it, I'm not going to be like Mario here. I mean, like, <laughs> all right. I have to do a female Italian voice. Okay. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm afraid not, Rogers. Contessa, Nick Fury is dead. 
and there's a, a group of five armed soldiers behind Contessa. What? Nick gone? For what? The fourth time? Forgive me, Contessa, but I've heard that song and dance before. That old buzzer's too tough to die. I'm not buying it. So what he's referring to is um, there was an issue back around that time called Double Edge, a mega number one. And uh, that was the issue where uh, he supposedly died. Then perhaps you shall learn to. We all miss him, Rogers, but it's for real this time. And for one, and no one comes back from the dead. And there's a, there's a little panel there where Steve kind of turns around and smirks at, at uh, Sharon. All right. If I have to make my peace with Nick, I'll do it privately, on my own, later. Right now, see what you can do to take the edge off the way S.H.I.E.L.D. treated us. We want information. Why were we lied to about each other? I don't know, and I don't care. But as far as information goes, I want it. From Sharon. As acting head of S.H.I.E.L.D., I'm placing her under house arrest. As returning agent, she is to be debriefed willingly or unwillingly. And the, uh, the soldiers all point their guns at Sharon. And so she's poised and she's like, guess which? Let me show you how willingly I'm ready to. And she pulls back her hand ready to strike, but Cap grabs it. And he says, arrest, debriefing? I don't think that will be necessary, Contessa. Do you? And by the way, uh, Garney draws him to be like a man among men here, right? Like he is totally standing tall amongst all these uh, these soldiers around him. And the soldiers all look at Contessa, and she she looks ticked off. And you look at and you get a close up of Steve's eyes, and they're just locked. So I guess we know the answer because the next panel, Sharon and Steve are being beamed down from the helicopter uh, helicarrier. They'll be watching me from here on out. I know. You don't have to keep an eye on me, you know. Didn't say I did. Didn't say. So what now? And they're, they're zapped down onto the Brooklyn Bridge. I've got a living quarters across the bridge in Brooklyn. I vote you and I head over there and I figure out where you should go from here. What the? And all of a sudden, there's a flash of light. And there's a there's a um, some sort of uh, like a barrier, uh, you know, like a solid but clear barrier. And and Cap is uh, pounding on it. Sharon, Sharon, a barrier. I can't get through. I'm trapped. And we got word uh, thought balloons here. No, not me. The whole island. Someone's dropped a force field all over Manhattan, without regard for who or what might be in its path. Good Lord, I hear people caught in it screaming and sure enough there's there's people half in and half out caught and there's they are screaming oh god help me but but over over that something i've never heard in 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 new york before silence the cars have stopped running the bridge trains at a standstill it's as if someone flipped a switch and turned off new york city what's happening here talk to me and he's he's talking to a, a bunch of medics um, coming out of uh, an ambulance. 
We have no idea. All the life support machinery in our ambulance suddenly shut down. All we know for sure is if we don't get this man to a hospital soon, he's dead. All right, you, you, and you, help them carry him to Mercy Central. It's four blocks back. I'll run interference and... Holy jeez. That that chopper's fallen like a rock. And then there there's a chopper falling from the sky. Mayday, mayday, we've lost power. And the guy says, uh, I got a cell phone, Cap. We could call for help. And Cap, it, it ain't working. Cap? And here we go. What a scene, right? Captain America with a shield on his back, diving off the Brooklyn Bridge with his hands first and a determined look on his face. And he dives right into the water. That's, well, that's, that's a cool scene. He's got perfect form, too. Yeah? You know? And so uh, you see the inside of the copter, and it's uh, filling, with, filling with water. And there's a, a guy in a suit saying, uh, we're sinking. Open the doors. For God's sake, open the doors. And the pilot's like, I'm trying, but the pressure's too. But Cap breaks open the glass, and he, he pulls the two, and he swims away with them. And he gets to a Coast Guard uh, vessel. You, any word on what's going on? Search us. As near as we could tell with that force field hit, power, all kind of power, got shut down. All across Manhattan. Electricity, fuel engines, e- even our boats stranded. Come aboard, Cap. I'll give you a hand up. No, thanks. You take care of those men. And then the next panel, you see him swimming away from the boat. I'll take care of Manhattan. <laughs> that... that that's pretty. Uh, it's a pretty strong line right there. So then uh, Cap gets out of the water. This is a good thing. It's still daylight. That'll cut the panic factor for a while. How can this be? This there's no simple con ed failure. All the energy in the city's been drained. And then he he comes across uh, these strangely garbed soldiers with masks and um, laser rifles with tubes tied to their uh, backpacks and in their belts and they're firing on police cars. Scratch that. And by the way, we just changed in, in this page to a different artist. I don't know if you noticed. Scratch that. Those cops are pinned by laser fire of all things and they're badly outgunned. Well, let's see about leveling the playing field a little. And he cap just jumps in there and hits him with a shield. Yeah. I mean, did you notice? I mean, look, when when Cap gets out of the water, look how small his shield looks now. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. There's some definite uh some definite differences here. Yeah. The shield, yeah. just the uh that profile of Cap's face on the next panel. Yeah. Yeah, totally different artist. Um and so the uh the soldiers are like Captain America and he uh and one of the guys starts uh, that he hits starts falling out and he goes, oh, no, no. Of all the things that are blacking out around here, you're not one of them. Talk. You're packing the only tech in this city that's operating. Why is that? And who are you? And the guy says, Zodiac. I'm an agent of Zodiac. And this city is ours. Thanks to our transformers, we have rechanneled New York's energy into the surrounding force field. Soon, it will turn night black severing the star's influence over our lives, allowing us to chart our own destiny and to rule first New York, then the world. And so Cap's holding this guy over over a, a hood of a police car, 
but some of these other soldiers um, are now kind of getting back up. And one guy says, he's not looking on my mark. Ready? Aim? Fire. And they fire on uh, where Cap and this other guy was, and it blows up the uh, the um, police car, but Cap somersaults out, and he's like, oh, good. They're willing to sacrifice their own. Never a good sign. The exploding squad car threw me clear, but my in- informant wasn't so lucky. And now that they have drawn a bead, the odds are a little steep even for me. Time to call in the Avengers. And he uh, reaches for his identify uh, card, and he's like, of course, even the identity card technology is frozen. Blast it. It won't generate an alert. I'll have to call the troops in personally. And he's getting fired on. Attention, West Unit. Captain America is headed your way. Dispose of him. And so these guys coming around the corner start firing a cap. And they say, with extreme prejudice. What is this, a video game? They're everywhere. The city's crawling with soldiers around every corner. I'm itching to take them out one by one. But skirmishes won't win New York anything. There are dozens of bystanders pinned in the field. And who knows how many hundreds or of thousands trapped in elevators and subways. The panic alone puts them in, whoops, around the corner, puts them in deadly danger. We have to put an end to this crisis. And he tosses his shield and he knocks out a couple of guys and fast. And he's running towards the Avengers mansion. And Jarvis is at the door to greet him. Avengers mansion, I made it, but not without a dozen soldiers right on my heels. Jarvis, call the team together. Hurry. But they're not here. They're only now returning from an international mission. This is really poor timing, Jarvis. I know Iron Man is somewhere downtown, and of course Thor is up, uptown in his new apartment, but the rest of the Avengers are off-island. The mansion is empty. Look out, the gummin! They're right behind you. And Cap gets closer to Jarvis at the door, and he goes, I'm aware of that. Thanks. Brace yourself. For attack? For impact. Sorry for the boot, my friend. And he kicks Jarvis back into the mansion and uh, closes the door. But get inside and secure the premises. Uptown it is. Zodiac's men are teeming at street level. Maybe I can avoid them by running into rooftops. Or not. This is getting ridiculous, and he's getting fired on up at the rooftops. When did I become the Pied Piper? No matter which way I turn, an army of rats is hot on my trail. And sure enough, they're, they're all over the place. We have him. We triangulated his path perfectly. He's headed for this very building. North unit to central control. Liberty is in our sights. On three. One. Two. Huh? And Cap jumps onto the top of the building, but somersaults around them and goes over them. And Cap is uh, off to the side of a very tall building, and he's landing, and he's like 22, 21, 20. And he grabs onto a flagpole. Sorry about this old sport, but up we go. And he um, uses this momentum to crash into a, a window, and it happens to be Thor's apartment. So that's what he was counting. He was counting what floor to be on. Apparently, Thor lives on floor 20. Captain, what is it? What's going on? And here's Thor running. Now, he's got his typical blue pants on and yellow boots, and he's holding his hammer, 
and he's got his yellow yellow gauntlets. But you know what he's not doesn't have, Bob. Uh, there's a lot of things that Thor doesn't have in this illustration. But I, what are you going for? I'm going with this uh, a shirt of any yeah. kind. Yeah, he's got a real like. Uh, what was that? Uh, the guy used to be on uh, romance novels, Fabio. Mm. Yeah, he's got a real Fabio thing going on here. Yes, he does, and he's holding his hammer though. And then uh, in the background is uh, the Enchantress. Now, if you don't know who the Enchantress is, she is a one of uh, the, the the gods of Norse mythology that that lives at Asgard. Uh, often is a, a villain, and um, she has the ability to, oh, uh, let's just say, convince men to do things. She's a sweet talker, um, and so she's standing there and a doorway um, and it looks like all she's wearing is a an oversized man's shirt leads you to believe they're coming out of the bedroom so cap lands in the apartment and says uh you tell me your suit your voice is that the enchantress tell me i have the right address i am indeed the thor you know my friend in body and spirit at least the enchantress well, we, we are, I believe the phrase is an item, and that's no one's concern. Obviously, the captain is here with some urgency. Let's not chat. To use the vernacular, can we cut to the chase? Well put. And then bursting into Thor's apartment or the uh, Zodiac uh, army. There he is. Surround him. They were in pursuit. You brought them here? I had no choice. I'm counting on you to put that magic hammer to work. Turn any of these guys out of here and we're safe. Go. Would that I could. The hammer? It is magic no longer. What? To be continued next week in Thor 496. So as I promised, uh, we're not going to read these uh, the next three parts. We're, uh, but I will give you a synopsis uh, because I I, I don't want to leave you hanging. Um, so in Thor four ninety six, which comes out in March nineteen ninety six, written by William Mesner Loeb, uh, pencilers Mike Diodato Jr. He's also inking it, and um, so it's a very nineties look to it. Uh, and and Diodato Jr. did the cover as well. Um, and this is. Uh, first sign part two and it's called doing the zodiac rag um, and uh, i'm going to read a synopsis for this from uh, marvelfandom.com captain america has led a group of killers to thor in the hope that he can deal help deal with them unaware he's not a god anymore amora helps defeat them and then thor and cap head across town to try and stop the transportal from transporting in more men they barely managed to make it there only to have the portal activate. So then this is covered. Uh, the next part is in Iron Man 326. And uh, this uh, um, comes out uh, March 1996, uh, cover date. And it is first sign part three called Burnout. Um, and this um, uh, is written by Terry Cavanaugh. Um, a few different pencilers in here, Jim Chung, Hector Colazzo, Steve Ellis. Um, and in this episode, um, uh, Tony, uh, Tony Stark's a teenager. Now, Bob, 
listen, uh, I'm, I'm going to take the listeners through the synopsis here, but you actually read these other parts, right? I, uh, I, I tried to, <laughs> Rick, I did. I, uh, I, I tried, uh, you know, just go for it. Just I don't. I'm gonna dig myself a hole here, and we're gonna get we're gonna get some negative, uh, negative All right. <laughs> feedback. All right. It was quite the '90s story. It right? was. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. that's the that's the in the nutshell. All right. So so Tony Stark's a teenager. Now I'm not gonna get into it. You guys can Google it. All right. So teen Tony Stark is attempting to integrate into the society of the present day by enrolling at Columbia University. One other student, uh, Chap Walters, suggests signing up for Professor Alden's class, but Tony finds out only when he's newly face-to-face with her that she's his old girlfriend, Meredith McCall. Before he has to worry about being recognized, a sudden blackout covers Manhattan, leaving Tony's chest plate as one of the only remaining active sources of power. Now, while everyone else scatters in panic, Tony takes two Iron Man gauntlets and traces the source of another power signal to an underground tunnel where he finds Captain America and Thor battling agents of Zodiac over the terrorist organization's transportal device. Stark leaps in to help with what little power he has, allowing the three heroes to escape with the machine on its own flying transport. Tony manages to adapt the Zodiac tech to his own and get a signal out to the other Avengers to meet them at the barrier on the Brooklyn Bridge. As they work together to figure out a way to use the transportal to escape the barrier, they have to deal with the mounting problems of the barrier's effects, starting to extend to all forms of energy, the panicking populace on a rampage, the portal's limited time window for use, and the fact that Tony has no energy in his chest plate left to spare to make any plan work. So then this goes into the next part of the story, the last part of the story, uh, part four of First Sign. And this is in the Avengers 396, which also came out in March of 1996, written by Terry Cavanaugh as well. Uh, Pencils by John Statema, inked by Tom Palmer. Uh, And um, the cover's by Luke Ross. I wouldn't have guessed that. I would have. It, it's again yeah. very '90s looking. Yeah. yeah. Um, and young in in this issue of Avengers, young Tony Stark fails in an attempt to create a gateway through the impenetrable dome that surrounds the entire island of Manhattan. The Avengers are forced to confront Libra and the Zodiac. Fortunately, Giant Man discovers the power generator for the dome and disables it. Libra destroys his Zodiac warriors and makes his getaway. Really, Bob, no comments. You have nothing you want to add to uh, this wonderful three-part story that uh, we just sped through? Uh, I think my favorite part of uh, of those three additional uh, uh, books (laughs) was the ad for Black Sheep that uh, classic Chris Farley movie from, uh, from the mid 1990s. That was a nice, uh, that was a nice callback, uh, you know, for sentimentality's sake. I, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, there, not to go far too far afield, but you know, art makes a difference. Uh, and, you know, people grew up in different times mm-hmm. and they grew up on different art and mm-hmm. it can be a challenge to get through a story if the art doesn't resonate. And, uh, this is a problem for lots of people, not just mm-hmm. uh, not just me in this regard, but uh, we've seen that in the group where people 
aren't really open to a particular storyline or run mm -hmm. because of the art just doesn't sync with uh, their expectations. I I agree with that 100%. You know, and uh, you know, it, and that's the thing. It, you know, there's more than one flavor of ice cream, right? So everybody has a different style of art that they enjoy. Um, I particularly like Ron Garney, so I'm glad to come back to him because uh, he's he's one of my favorite cap artists. So here we are uh, on the cover of Captain America 450. Now I got to talk about this. Um, there were two covers uh, to Captain America 450, and it wasn't like a. I, I don't believe it was a variant. I believe it was like a 50-50 cover, um, if I remember correctly, back in the day. And this came out in April of 1996. Now, both covers are really cool covers by Ron Garney. Uh, one is a, is a completely white blank cover with a Captain America standing very stoically in his uh, full uniform, holding a shield. Um, and the other one uh, is a cover of... Uh, Steve Rogers doing a very much a Clark Kent impersonation standing in a alleyway in a blue business suit, ripping open his, his dress shirt to reveal his Captain America uniform underneath. And then you can see a little corner of his shield in the background. Now, Bob, I'll share this in the Facebook group. Uh, I've shared it before, but I'd love this cover so much that when I had an opportunity uh, last year to get a commission from Ron Garney, I chose him to recreate this cover. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I ha so I have a non-colored, you know, black and white, you know, pen, pen and ink uh, version of this cover that he recreated for me, which I have framed sitting over here and I get to look at it every day. So I, I, I love this cover. All right. And you know, I'm going to read the solicit, uh, solicitation that Marvel put out for this. Uh, and it's, Man Without a Country, part one of four. And then it has an all caps, happy anniversary, Captain America. Now get out of the USA. When the super soldier is branded a traitor, he is forced into making the most agonizing decision of his 50-year career. So here you are. Uh, now they're saying in 1996, this was 50 years. Strange, right? Marvel time. I guess. I mean, it was 1941. So I don't understand why they're saying it's 50 years in 1996. But maybe it was 50 years worth of comics because there was... No, that's that's not even right. I don't get it. Hey, yeah. if anybody here gets it and can explain it to me, post a message on the uh, Facebook group. I'd love to hear it. All right. So this issue is... Um, Written by Mark Wade, of course, and drawn by Bron Garney. Uh, inked by Scott Koblish. Colorist, John Caliz, and separated by Malibu. Letterer, John Costanza. Editor, Ralph Macchio. And by the way, so the editor-in-chief now is Bob Harris. Uh, no longer Mark Grunewald. And um, so this was the year uh, that Mark passed. So... Um, uh, we while 449 had uh, him as the editor in chief. This is um, maybe the the first one uh, in many years um, that does not have Mark Grunewald's name on it. All right, so we get to the opening page, and it's uh, a uh, first panel is 
outside of a, the Brooklyn apartment of, of Captain America. Uh, and then we, we, uh, we start to see uh, the inside. And it reads, it's been a long time since she's been in Brooklyn, even longer since she's shared quarters with Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America. For years, Rogers thought she was dead. In truth, she was working as a freelance spy and guerrilla fighter halfway across the globe. Either way, that's the kind of minor detail that can complicate a relationship. And we see Sharon, she's uh, in Steve's bedroom and she's looking at photos. Sharon Carter now sleeps restlessly on an Ikea sofa and prowls Roger's apartment like a caged panther, pretending with consummate skill not to wonder what his life has been like without her. And he's looking at a photo of um, Rachel uh, from uh, Diamondback. And she's on a horse and it says, to Steve, love forever, Rachel. And looks at another one and it's burning in him. And she wonders where she fits in today. Was that the door? Rogers, is that you? And the next page, um, there's these uh, agents bursting in. And she says, I said, is that? She's about to have more on her mind. And they're bursting in the door with guns. Okay, we know you're in there. I'm saying it once and once only. You're coming with us, dead or alive. And Stan Lee presents Man Without a Country, Chapter One, Executive Action. So Sharon leaps, and by the way, she's wearing that skin-type black costume that we've been seeing in her, you know, for all these issues since she's been back. And she says, I've been both, not interested. Don't know who you work for, but the only place you'll have me is in your face. And she She's throwing one guy, punching another guy, kicking two people with a nice double kick split. Get her. Dogpile her. Do whatever you got to do. Just put her down. And like three guys get on top of her. And they pull her up and they're holding her and they got cuffs and a gun. Tough chick. Got a nice set of bracelets for you, little lady. I'd call you a pig, but that would be an insult to pigs. Off. And she throws them. And she jumps out the window, crashing out of the glass. What are you waiting for? Shoot her. Dying to. Only problem is, she's gone. And she's uh, on another roof, looking at them uh, as they're going through the window. And she's thinking to herself, look up, you moron. You can see past that Cromagnon brow. What a proud and skillful moment for me ducking four buttheads in search of a beavis. Whoever they were, though, they've tagged me, and why? Bob, you want to uh, tell our listeners about the uh, <laughs> beavis and butthead reference here? You know, you know, normally the writing, you know, the writing is, you know, on for, for Mark. But, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, there's a couple, like, uh, cultural references in here, right? The beavis and butthead, which <laughs> I would have preferred not to have found its way into a Cap comic. And uh, and IKEA, which, if I recall, you know, that oh, was, everybody knows IKEA. Well, IKEA they did back still in, around, but in '96, not everybody knew IKEA. There weren't that many IKEAs around. They were really just starting to get their toehold in the in the United States at that time. Well, maybe Mark's so, a futurist. He, he yeah. saw, like, he's like, man, I maybe he has stock. He had bought stock at IKEA. 
anyone <laughs> start mentioning it everywhere there's product placement here there yeah, yeah. so she says Who, whoever they were they tagged me and why because stupid you got sloppy because you stayed in one place too long spy rule one you want to stay alive stay on the move ta-ta rogers i won't say i enjoyed our reunion but i have to admit you had possibilities so she's running away so we lost her so what who the heck was she and then steve's at the door the crashed in door and there's five agents there and he says i have a better question he's holding grocery bag with a long trench coat who are you and what's this all about steve rogers we're from the u.s army criminal investigations department that doesn't explain why you not kicked my door then this will under executive order i'm here to place you under arrest arrest on what charge treason mr rogers against the united states of america and they start to cuff him behind his back. Gentlemen, this is clearly a mistake, more so than you could possibly know. If you let me make one phone call, I'm sure I can clear this up for all of us. I doubt it, Mr. Rogers. I don't know, I don't know who you think you are, or what makes you special, but... And then, as they're, you know, got him cuffed and walking him away, one of the agents says from over on the bed where he sees Cap's uniform. Agent Nyland, sir, I think you should see this. And he holds up Cap's uniform. And they all look at Cap, look at Steve, I should say, and they're like, uh, hmm. So next we cut to the White House. And Cap's in his uniform, and he's standing there with handcuffed. And uh, in the Oval Office, and the president is talking to somebody. Now, Bob, you know who the president is in, in this particular issue, right? I mean, oh, sometimes sure. they, they, they take the president and they silhouette him to, to not age the piece. They didn't do it in this case. They did not. It's, it's very obvious who the president was in uh, 1996, 1997. And uh, that's him. Yeah, they drew him, and uh, now I have to do the voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is, this is getting better, better. I don't want to do the voice. <clears throat> That'll do, man. <laughs> you did the voice. <laughs> Report to debriefing after which you will forget today ever happened ever you will never speak of this again do i make myself clear crystal mr president sir so he comes over go thank you sir and he and he uh takes the handcuffs unlocks them they had me changed but they kept the cuffs on i asked for the change steve i need to talk to captain america Sir, I, I share quite a history with this office. With all due respect, could you possibly think me capable of treason? I know I couldn't until last week. General Chapman, is this, if this is about, it is. 
Exactly. Now, if you listen to our last podcast uh, about this story. Long ago. Yeah. So if you listen to uh, our podcast, uh, episode 15, where we did this story, um, you will remember General Chapman. Chapman was the um, uh, the the soldier, the general um, who was standing at the doorway, um, not letting Cap go into the base and gave him a direct order and Cap knocked him out. Mr. President, eight days ago, one of the nation's highest security military sites was under siege by neo-Nazi soldiers. As per your orders, I set out to secure the area. In my judgment, my troops had the situation in hand. But as our battle surveillance footage shows, we soon faced a secondary onslaught from the Red Skull and his ally. And he's showing a video of Cap and... Uh, the Red Skull and Sharon Carter battling uh, the troops. I informed the captain of your direct orders to bar any entrance. He disregarded them. And you could see on camera where he, he knocks out the general. Rogers, did this happen the way I see it? It did, but you, you must understand the circumstances. The Skull recruited me against my will. He planned on crossing the neo-Nazis for possession of the all-powerful weapon they held. Skull healed me, made me strong again, so he could use me. But I turned the tables on, and then uh, President Clinton looks very surprised. Your worst enemy healed you? Rogers, that's very hard to believe. Where and when did that take place? I, I don't know, sir. If we can find Sharon Carter, she'll verify... And there's video of her knocking out people. Carter, you're confirming our suspicions that this woman we see here at your side is a disfranchised S.H.I.E.L.D. agent now in this country illegally. By your own admittance, you were at death's door a few weeks ago. The super soldier serum in your veins completely exhausted, your body weak and frail. We know this because the Avengers finally confessed it. They were forced to go public with that information when terrorists tried to ransom me for you. And so he's showing them uh, files and news newspapers. So Cap's thinking to himself, I wondered about that. Terrorists with no known connections or agenda. Could they have been sent by the Skull himself, specifically to force an expose? Why? What would he have to gain by outing my illness? I had a bad feeling. I'm about to find out. Sir... You have my word that any defiance of orders, any alliance with the Skull, was intended solely to protect my country. I'm sure we can clear this matter up, given that those are the only charges you have against me. If they were... General, show them the rest. Yes, sir. Tell us about this man, Rogers. And he takes out a device, and there's a hologram. Machinesmith a cyborg with a human consciousness and an uncanny knack for weapon construction. He was a, has a bond with uh, electronic devices. And with the skull, the two men are known associates, which has what to do with me. That's what we're here to find out. Think back Rogers to Pro project Argus. Two years ago, I trusted you to memorize 
and courier directly to me a crucial piece of data from a dying scientist. Data that would have allow completion of a revolutionary armament with unerring sight and guidance. This was a top secret mission. The scientist died in your arms. I remember. Once he died, only two men on Earth, you and I, knew the secret to the Argus anti-aircraft cannon. Four days ago, the CIA four days ago, the CIA relayed this information. That machine smith has turned up in the Europe European province of Malavia with the Argus complete and operational. Its tracking system's a quantum leap above radar. And they show a, a couple of jets being blown out of the sky. Aiming at the free fly zone over Malavia, Machine Smith Argus zeroed in on two American jets. Now two pilots are dead for no reason. Malavia's unprovoked attack brings us dangerously close to war. The Argus key construction data died with the scientists. So precious was it that he left no notes, no figures. I have revealed the data to no one. That leaves only one possible leak to Machine Smith. You were near death, Rogers. You said the skull gave you a second chance at life. Tell me, because I want to know. What did you trade for that chance? And Cap just looks mortified and shocked. Sir, I, I didn't give up that data. I know how this looks. And, and the president can't even look him in the eye. And he turns and he looks out the window, holds the flag in his hand. You can't imagine how it looks. And the worst of it is, I have little idea what to do about it. No one's doubting the sincerity of your long service to this country. Nevertheless, since you've been privy to all manner of classified information for years, access codes, clearances, state secrets, how much of that is in similar jeopardy? We've only just begun the staggering process of updating and invalidating that information. But what do I do about you? How do I access your guilt or innocence? I, I don't dare put Captain America on trial for treason. You're our most respected hero. It would tear this country apart. And he sits down and he, he, he's really troubled. Then give me an opportunity to clear my name. I can't. I can't take the chance of letting you run free either. Not on the brink of war. Not with the stakes this high. I don't want to believe you committed treason, Rogers. But everything points to you. Everything. Wait outside. I have a great deal to consider. So Cap walks outside, and he's standing in the hallway, leaning up against the wall with his arms crossed, his legs crossed, looking down. Skull's fingerprints are all over this. Clearly, he painted this little bombshell as revenge in case I defeated him. I know I'm innocent, but with the skull gone, swallowed by an energy blast, the only man who can clear me is dead. I wish I could blame Chapman, but I can't. He's a good officer, if, if inflexible. I hated to bat him aside during the fight, especially in front of his men, but I, I had no choice. He didn't understand how desperate the moment was. No one understands. No one can. And there's a shadowy figure with binoculars in a tree looking at Cap through the window. And the president opens the door 
This way, Captain. I've come to the decision. And he sits behind his desk. Captain's standing there as a good soldier. And as unlikely as this might sound, it might be the hardest one I've ever had to make. In deference to your record, I can't bring myself to imprison you without due process. But what I said before about how putting you on trial would affect the country we both served, I know you considered that long and hard. Bear it in mind when you accept the offer only op bear it in mind when you accept the only option I have to offer. I've made some arrangements on an international level, and as much as it pains me, I see no choice but to pass an unprecedented executive order to defend national security. These papers are for you. Leave your uniform with me. In a few minutes, Air Force One will be taking you to Heathrow Airport in London. London? You, you make this sound like some sort of exile. It is. As of this moment, you are by law required to confine yourself to foreign soil. Steve Rogers, you are no longer an American citizen. And he hands him the paperwork and Steve looks down and he's, he's, his eyes are widened. And again, the president can no longer look him in the eye and just turns his head. And Cap looks down at the papers. He tucks them under his arm. He salutes the president. He about faces. And he walks out the door of the Oval Office and closes it behind him. So a little later, he's in his uh, civilian uh, outfit. And um, he's standing there about to get on a plane. And he's next to the general. Does this give you what you want? I know you think that this was about payback, that I'm actually enjoying this. I'm not. But what I do, the orders I follow, I follow for the good of America. I expect that same loyalty from all of our country's soldiers. They called me captain, but I'm not a soldier. Not really. I've served something bigger than any one branch of the military, General. Bigger than any government. At least, I did. Remember always that Captain America fought for the American dream. A dream that promised liberty and justice for all. And he's on the plane looking what he, he feels is the last time over the Capitol. And eventually, um, uh, he lands in, in London. This is Air Force One in Tower requesting permission to land. Roger one, you're cleared for landing at Heathrow. But there was a, a small little craft following the plane. Did you notice that, Bob? I did. I did, Rick. It's a very uh, futuristic looking uh, craft. Mm -hmm. uh, think about it. it almost looks like uh, one of those Battlestar Galactica Vipers. It really does, right? Yeah. That's a good callback. So um, uh, in there, that the person wearing that, uh, that black outfit with the binoculars is flying it. And the person says, Heathrow. Perfect. And then we're uh, we're in Heathrow. There he is, Governor. He's all yours. <laughs> I don't know who he is or what he did, but he's not America's problem anymore. And sure enough, Steve Rogers in his long trench coat 
He's standing there with a little a bag, a knapsack in his hand, and that's it. And he's in downtown London, and he uh, he's on the streets. He's looking around. He's not does not look happy. He says, "Now what? I know a few folks in Britain. Maybe they'll extend their grace until I can." And that that shadowy figure grabs his hand as he's hailing a cab, and they say, "No cabs. You're coming with me." And apparently it's been a slow burn with Steve because his reaction is not one you typically see. Yeah. He turns and he's angry. And he says, don't order me around. And he knocks this person, again, who's in an all-black outfit with a, like a ski mask on, and, and throws them. So he, he basically just snapped. And he dives at the person who says, you've picked you picked on the wrong man at the wrong time. And uh, they, there's kicking luggage and they're battling over luggage. Um, but he grabs the person and throws them in a phone booth. And whatever your reason is, it's not near good enough. And he slams them in the, the phone booth. So they're basically they're trapped. He says, who are you? And it's Sharon Carter. She's pulling off the mask. It's me, you dope. I said you're coming with me because you don't have cab fare. Think about it. So he lets her out. So why the outfit? And then uh, there's some um, uh, British police officers coming. Hey, hey, you. <laughs> little, little Benny Hill action here. <laughs> and so they're chasing him. And Sharon says, pardon me. I was too busy ditching from an unauthorized landing to change. Unauthorized? I don't, I don't understand. What are, what are you doing here? I stuck around to see the feds take you away. Been following you ever since. You're in pretty deep. Thought you could use some help. What are you going to do now? You have to ask. I've been framed and humiliated by a lunatic who's threatening war. What am I going to do? I'm going to go find the rat bag and get my life back. You coming? Right behind you. To be continued. Well, yeah. Rick, my goal this week is to use rat bag at least once in a sentence. Oh, you should do that. Could I have goals? Oh, I used to love that show. I know, right? That was a great show. Another show I was telling my son about uh, just last week. Especially that. Uh, oh, that you can't share that, Tim. I <laughs> know. Uh, someday we'll watch that. And that uh, little guy, especially the little old guy that used to oh, pat yeah. on the head. You, you know, just smack on the awesome. head. That guy was little, awesome. A little pat on the head. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, good show. All right, uh, let's do one more issue four fifty one, and we'll finish this out. So um, this is a cool cover. Uh, it is a. Um, it looks like a, a small tree um, uh, in, in a snowbank uh, with a pink sky and, and winds behind it. And on blowing in, in, uh, in the wind on top of this, this, uh, uh, this tree is a tattered Captain America uniform. And because it is going sideways, it almost resembles an American flag, but uh, the mask in there and and uh, so it's quite the 
you don't you don't think of this, you know, when you think of a Captain America, right? It's like, wow, what's what's going on inside here that Cap's uniform is all tattered. And by the way, I didn't mention this in um, in a previous uh, uh, episode uh, issue, I should say, uh, in issue four fifty. <clears throat> um, the um, uh, the logo on it um, has a uh, is a red, white, and blue logo. And it's, um, uh, so it, and it's each letter is uh, got three colors in it. So Captain is stacked on top of America, and the top of it is red, middle's white, and the bottom's blue. And it's not just blue; it's blue with white stars. And they do that, and they repeat that for the for the next word america and then there's the captain america shield behind it um interesting interesting theory thought there i I, i'm not sure i love the execution yeah i mean i you know i don't know it it is uh when you you think of that uh, that coloring scheme you you definitely think of 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 this run and uh, and i think it's cool i like when they uh, shift them up every now and again they try something new uh I think it'd be cool to go go back and uh, sort of do it. Now that I'm about to say it, I realize it's not cool. <laughs> but it would be fun for me to go back and do sort of a statistical analysis of, of all the different color schemes they've used in the Captain America logos over yeah. the different volumes and just to see sort of a frequency distribution. But uh, now that I've said that out loud, I realize uh, there's, <laughs> there's, there's five guys in the world who probably would think that was cool. Along and with I me. would be one of them, Bob. <laughs> I would be one of them. I, you know what? And I think we'll find at least, at least four more in the, in the Facebook group. <laughs> probably so. Um, you know, and speaking of which, it, it, this is something that I've wanted to do. And actually, well, I kind of already, this is like, you know, second part the first part i already did like if you go to the the, the facebook group right um our uh, big hero image that we have in our facebook group i created that uh i, I, I wouldn't say create i assembled it basically i took all of the most of the captain america logos over the last 80 years and i uh not the logo where it says captain america but the little icons up in the corner you know where the little small figures of of captain america and um the ones that that have been around you know more than just uh, one or two issues and um i I assembled those so if you haven't been to the captain america facebook group um you know check it out it's it's at the top of the group um it took me like five hours to to do that believe it or not um but one of the other things i want to do i want to do all the captain america um logos that say captain america and and put those together and like um and like one day post that in the facebook group and like say you know a b c d e f whatever pick your favorite like which one you know is is the one that you 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 know you love the most because whether it's you you think it's cool or whether because it reminds you of your childhood or whatever but that would be fun yeah uh so maybe i'll get another four guys that uh, would want to see that So here we are in, in issue 451, Man Without a Country, um, part two. And the title of this story is called Plan A. Now, on the opening page here, um, it's, a, it's a recap of, of Cap's battles um, in previous uh, issues. So we have like um, uh, uh, little panels uh, of various ones. So there's, there's Captain America uh, versus Submariner which is from uh, by Jack Kirby. Um, this was in Avengers 4. Then we have uh, my one of my favorites, right? It's um, uh, 
Cap um, versus Deathlock and by Mike Zek, uh, which is a cover to uh, 287. We got um, Captain America uh, by Jim Steranko, um, where he, he's, you know, in a pile of, of agents, you know, him and Bucky are a pile of Hydra agents, you know, where he's um, coming out on top. I think it's Captain America 113. Um, then we've got uh, Cap versus um, Baron Von Strucker. Uh, which was uh, John Byrne. Um, and then um, a very cool one um, by Frank Miller, uh, which is uh, him cap holding a, the flag from Marvel Fanfare number 18. So these are, these are all put together. And then the story says, once upon a time, he was the symbol of a nation. A man who never said die a man with glory in his smile, a man who loved his country above all others and above all else, once upon a time, today. And then here we are um, in London, could we see Big Ben? And, uh, and here we have uh, Sharon Carter, um, walking with some bags into uh, an apartment and uh, a cheaper frame you couldn't find in a dime store. That almost sounds like a 1950s um, detective novel opening, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, it does have that feel. Yeah. A cheaper frame you couldn't find in a dime store. (laughs) Yeah, see? Anyway, so she's walking in, and um, maybe we've had our differences, but the Steve Rogers I know would never have betrayed America, never would have traded weapons specs to a European country whose stamps are bigger than it is. How about that? Huh? How about that? Sharon Carter saying, Cap would have never traded weapons to another country. Uh, you know, in, case, in case, you know, someone hasn't watched... Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. There's a little irony in that statement. There is. There is a little bit. Considering how much of the Sharon character from that show was taken from uh, this and the previous storyline. Yes. So she's um, she's about to get into uh, the hotel room. She's putting her card into the door. And she's still thinking, would that the President of the United States had my conviction wonder what his constituents would think if they knew the Prez exiled Captain America from U.S. soil on treason charges. Ah, well, Rogers will put it right somehow, as long as he hangs on to that can-do confidence. And so the next panel, you see her open the door, and there's a look of, you know, surprise on her face. Rogers? And it's Stan Lee Presents Man Without a Country, Chapter 2, Plan A. And here he is, Steve Rogers, pulling the Thor without the shirt. And he's sitting there um, with pants on, and that's it. And he's on the floor with his back up against the wall and his knees up and his elbow resting on his knee and his head down. And he looks mad and unshaven, which I know is Bob's favorite. And he's got a, uh, looks like a... um, a tray, you know, food, 
um, room service in front of them with a one bite taken out of a sandwich. Um, so with some, uh, some chips, <laughs> it's got some chips there, right? <laughs> I was having a little fish and chips, eh? Yeah, it could be a fish sandwich. Oh, right? tip, tip, diddly do. <laughs> so Sharon says, sorry, didn't realize this was a pity party. Whatever. And so she turns on the light because he was sitting in the dark. You're freaking me out, Rogers. Never seen you like this. I was just bragging to myself that you were a fighter. Don't make a liar out of me. What set you off? Ah, tough to get a decent American meal in this place, huh? Well, snap two. And she gets him up and hands him a box. I've been shopping. Here, maybe this will get you up and at him. It's for you. Hope it fits. So he's putting it on. He's in the other room. It's a costume. You're a superhero. I'm an expatriate. And she's on the bed uh, checking out some weapons. Details. Take it from Sharon Carter, ex-spy. You're better off as a free agent anyway. Give us a spin. So he walks out of the shadows. Oh, I get it. The same as but sands the stars and stripes. I'm not amused. And sure enough, yeah, it's a Captain America uniform without any design on it, right? It's like all blue, except for the red gloves. And he's got a mask. It's a, um, it's a little tied in the back with some strands that are f- somehow flowing in the air inside the apartment complex or uh, hotel room. I don't know what to quite make of this, Rick. I, I got to tell you, I, I, I get stuck on this page. Mm-hmm. When I look at it, and uh, and I realized that uh, you know, Cap has uh, or Rogers has adopted some other uh, names when he's stepped out of the identity of Captain America, mm-hmm. but he doesn't really here. Mm-hmm. And this uh, this costume is never really portrayed when you, you see like, oh, here's all the costumes that that Cap has uh, or Rogers has has worn over the years. You never actually really see this one. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe I've ever seen anyone cosplay this one. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm throwing a little bit, a little scruff here. Maybe I can pull this one off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's interesting too. When, whenever we see, um, you know, inevitably there's always a, here's a montage of all the times Cap was not Cap. Right. Right. Yeah. And we see all these different costumes that he's been, but you're right. I don't recall seeing this one too often. I never see this one uh, depicted. So. Yeah. Not for lack of trying. I mean, it's not bad. I mean, you know, anyway. Um, so again, he says, I'm not amused. Good. Glad I struck a nerve. I'd rather have you angry than mopey. It'll serve us better. If we're going on a mission to clear your name, You've got to get armed. See anything you like? And there's a whole bunch of weapons uh, out on the, the bed. Not really, no. I've never been much for offensive weaponry. You just continue to disappoint me. I guess some things never change. Here, try this then. And she puts a bracelet on his on his wrist, on his left wrist. And uh, it's a, uh, all of a sudden, it, it, there's a, a round yellow glow around his uh, there and he's like a shield a charged cool temp plasma field impervious to small arms fire 
no recoil, experimental prototype. Take good care of it. The rat wants it back when we're done. The rat? Don't ask. So she's putting on a utility belt uh, with uh, some pouches because it's the 90s. And where'd you get the money for all of this? For the hotel room even. Maybe by trading in that pogo jet that brought me here? A good soldier of fortune has connections. Again, try not to think about or your merit badges will burst into flame. Concentrate on the mission at hand. Where are we going again? I like that. She kind of, you know, refers to him as being a Boy Scout without calling him an actual Boy Scout. Moldavia. According to what the president said, one of my old enemies built the Moldavia government on Argus Cannon, the anti-Ancroft weapon only I knew the secret to. And they're using it uh, to prod America toward war. I wish I knew how Machine Smith got the knowledge to construct it. Machine Smith? That's right. And then we cut to the Machine Smith. And he's standing there. Um, and he's, you know, hey, uh, if you recall, we did a story uh, about Machine Smith. And that was um, covering the, um, the John Byrne, Roger Stern uh, first story arc which was Captain America 247 through 249. We did that back in uh, podcast episode seven, if anybody wants to check that out. Uh, there was a 1980s story. Um, and if, so if you want to learn more about Machine Smith, that's a really good podcast to do. <clears throat> so here's Machine Smith. Um, and he, if you don't know what he looks like, uh, he's bald, um, but he's got really bushy eyebrows and he's got uh, uh, bushy... Um, long sideburns and uh, they're red the eyebrows and the sideburns um, and he usually has a green jumpsuit on which appears like he kind of does and he's he's got a a gold coin that he's kind of twirling in between his right uh, hand on, on the fingers i've been keeping a close eye on the formal formerly star spangled avengers since this affair began men <clears throat> a very close eye, and there's all these uh, robots that are looking at screens. But now it's time we took him out of the picture. I've built you every weapon you could need for the task. Go forth. Do. And um, these uh, robots, um, you know, all have very 90s looking, <laughs> you know, sketches on them. Um, uh, and they have glowing eyes. So we cut to a, a very cool looking scene, nicely uh, well done by Garney here, uh, as far as a, a landscape of um, almost looks uh, like a, the Swiss Alps, but they're not. Uh, but it is a snowy winter side and um, there's a, a speed train that's going through um, uh, on, a, on the edge um, and there's snow covered trees and you can almost, you can almost hear the train, right? And Steve's in a, one of the department cars, and uh, he's looking down at his fake ID, Nathan Hill. It's his uh, passport. She says, I considered Benedict Arnold, but I seem too obvious. <laughs> That's funny. And for, for those who don't remember Benedict Arnold, he was a, a traitor to uh, the government. So uh, that, which is what, 
Cap's being accused of. But do you know who Nathan Hale is? The good Nathan Hale, the state hero of Connecticut? Yeah. Give me liberty or give me death, right? Yes. Indeed. Yes. Soldier, spy. Yes. All right. Just want to make sure. Good man. Good man. Okay. Uh, he was a quite the patriotic hero. So Steve says to her, uh, you just have to poke and poke, don't you? So we're just going to ride a train into Moldavia and ask where this highly portable anti-aircraft weapon is hidden? No, I have a plan. Now, my turn to ask a question. You had a cow when I dropped Machine Smith's knee. What's his connection to the Red Skull? Now, Bob, that may be just a, another uh, 90s reference. Don't have, a, don't have a cow, dude. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I didn't catch that one, but you're absolutely right that that's a 90s uh, pop culture reference right there. Yeah, a little uh, Bart Simpson. Machine Smith? He's the android who can project his consciousness into electrical devices. Skull employed him when we were in the process of reviving your frozen, near-dead body. Skull made a point of not letting me see exactly what he asked Machine Smith to do. But whatever it was, it nearly fried him. You don't suppose. And there's a flashback scene to when Cap was on ice and, and she and the Skull and Machine Smith are standing over and, and, and Machine Smith is grabbing his head as there's like wires connected into, into it. And Steve says, I do. What is the human brain but an electrochemical unit? Would he have been full enough to try to leap into my mind? You'd be surprised at what he can... You'd be surprised at what you can be talked into by the skull. So he blipped in and picked up that one piece of information? Sounds unlikely. And yet, it's the only theory I have, so I'm sticking to it for the... And then, you remember those Machine Smith uh, robot soldiers? come bursting into the car and they say targets locked primary target dispatched and one of them just takes steve and throws him out of the window of the speeding train and he lands uh on far away um on the snowbanks bouncing and they're heading towards a uh, a tunnel secondary target share snared and they grab her uh, by the throat. How far to the tunnel? About 100 yards. Why? Just asking. And they take take her and put her head outside the window. So it looks like it's going to get be decapitated. Uh, that's a gruesome way of going. And somehow, Steve's back onto the train after being tossed very far. Somehow, He's in this new uniform, no longer in his civvies. And he bursts in and he says, I wouldn't worry about it. And he's got his photon laser shield and he's making short work of these three guys. And he grabs Sharon, keep cool. Don't lose your head. And then the two of them jump out and uh, they land pretty hard. And she goes, that hurt. These guys are seriously armored and seriously armed. You got anything to match? Taser. She fires a taser and 
knocks one of them, uh, which then um, short circuits them and, and hits the other one off. And uh, they fall off the train, uh, which happens to be on a bridge. So they fell pretty far. Uh, and then the, the, the other ones are firing on them and he's got his laser shield. He's like, um, she says, she says, sorry, now what? We hold them for another 50 yards. That's it. Huh? Remember when I said I had a plan? Well, this is it. Hold on. And he grabs her and they dive off and land into the snow. And they're down the banks and they start running. Some plan. If you're trying to get to Moldavia, we've got a heck of a hike on our hands. And Cap's running. He says, trust me. I know just what we're looking for. And they come up on an American Air Force base. Nearest one to Moldavia. If we can get you to an on-base computer terminal, I figure you can hack your way around until you find what they know about that exact location of the Argus. We'll have to sneak in, though. And then, but the, the robots are still behind him and they're firing. And he's like, what the? She's so much for being subtle. The cyber ops are back and they're right on our tails. But they're firing these lasers, which go ahead of Cap and it hits the, um, the fence to the army base. He's like, well, they got us through the fence. And so guards start coming, the soldiers, and they're like, intruders, stop where you are. And Cap saying, we're on your side. Don't make us do this. And Sharon's kicking them. Great. Busting up the American military again. Don't you ever take your dates someplace new? So much for infiltration. I don't know who our pursuers are, and I don't care. What I do know is that finding the Argus will lead us to Machine Smith. We have to locate it. But how? All hands needed. Abandon takeoff. Repeat, abandon takeoff. And so uh, there was a a jet that was about to take off, but the pilot got off out to, uh, to help with the battle. So they look at each other and are like time to get in. So uh, they go ahead and, and get into the jet and they, the, uh, the robots got stopped and the soldiers like, good. The armored ones are down. Now where are the other two go? And of course the jets flying off. You sure are a lousy influence. Now I've gone and stolen an F-15. Why is everything I do around you make me look worse? And she's, she's in the, the co-pilot seat behind him. Boo-hoo. You want to make an omelet? So where are we going in this crate? Isn't it obvious? I got a course from Moldavia's no-fly zone. Mol, have you lost your mind? Hardly. But the only chance we have to find the Argus is to become its target. Sure enough, they're over Moldavia, which was close by, and uh, the Argus is firing uh, at the um, at the jet they're in. Unidentified aircraft approaching, tracking, fire. Here comes round one. Hang on, and he moves the jet to uh, to just barely get miss getting fired on. He says, "Blast it." We need the onboard computers to lock onto the launch site for an exact location. They almost did, but not quite. Hold on. We're going back. And Sharon looks mortified. What? And sure enough, they turn around to go back to where they were getting shot on. But this time, the missiles um, miss, but are getting closer. He's like, got it. We have a lock. Bearing 9 or 294 and... 
Then the next page, to be continued. Big splash of the uh, the jet blowing up in the sky. So, Bob, that's where we're going to leave it. That's uh, that's a lot going on, Rick. There's a lot of action in that last uh, issue. It is. Well, that's where we're going to leave it because um, I got to tell you, uh, yeah, I only got so much of this in my voice, you know. I can only yeah. do so many uh, yeah. Contessas and Bill Clintons, and, yeah, uh, yeah. and then my voice is gone. And London Bobbies. Yes. <laughs> no, I really should practice troll. these things before I come on and, and record, right? I'm like, right. I, I don't even... I don't even. <laughs> no, you don't want it to be too practiced, right? All right. The spontaneity. Uh, but yeah, I think it's gotten a little long, so we, uh, we need to cut this. Uh, and we will come back in two episodes to finish this story and finish volume one of Captain America. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And, and two episodes, Rick. Yeah, we'll come back and finish with four, uh, the, the last three issues, Cap 452, 453, 454. And we will finish this story and we will finish volume one of Captain America. So we'll do that in two issues. Why, Rick? Why, why would we skip an episode? I mean, why not just do them back to back? Well, we have a little... We have a guest. What? We have a guest that we're going to sneak in between this story. And it's Well, this better be good. This better be good, Rick, because make our listeners wait an extra week. This this had better be good. Well, I think it will be, Bob, because we're going to have on none other than the artist, Ron Garney. I know. Right, I I'm excited. You know, I'm a big Ron Garney fan. Yeah, right? you are. Yeah. yeah, and um, and I know we have a lot of listeners uh, are as well. So it'll be fun to talk to uh, Ron about his time on Captain America. So he's going to be, uh, we'll talk to him about this um, uh, time uh, at the end of Volume One where he he jumped on Captain America. We'll talk with him about when they kick off him and Mark Wade come back and they kick off Volume Three. Uh, in his uh, the first story arc where he was on that. Uh, we'll talk about his time on um, Captain America Sentinel of Liberty, where uh, he kicked off that uh, volume. Love uh, that volume. Yeah. yeah. And you know what else he did, Bob? Uh, a little later on, he did a four-issue miniseries of uh, Ultimate Captain America. Yeah. Yeah. So I figure we'll talk about, uh, you know, all of those and, and what he's got going on now. Uh, and uh, maybe uh, what he's got coming up. So um, that'll be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that's so, going to be great. And it's a great package deal. You get you get the two, you get the story bookends with, uh, with Garney in the middle. Yes. Yeah, so come back next episode, issue uh, episode 39 uh, with our conversation with Ron Garney. And then uh, issue 40. Oh, excuse me. I keep saying issue and episode. When I, right. And then come back with uh, episode 40 to, to finish off uh, the story. Mm-hmm. You should build this. This is like a Garney sandwich. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll tell him that when we, uh, <laughs> when we talk with him next week. All right. All right. Well, Bob, as always, it's been fun wrapping cap with you. It has. It has. Um, yeah. You know, I'm going to be thinking about this, this, uh, this story uh, later tonight. A lot of good stuff in here. Yep. All right. Well, uh, as always, I'm Rick Verbonis, and he's Bob Lucius, 
And you've been listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast.